Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Chip Frederick. We'll talk Vanderbilt baseball. Let's get right to it. Chip Frederick joins me as he does every week during baseball season. Chip, hope you're well. It's a busy time of the year. Yeah, it is a busy time, Chris. A lot going on. And um, you, know, you got spring football and in the basketball season, baseball, all the Olympic sports, tennis and golf going. So um, busy time over at Vanderbilt and baseball chugging through. Looks like weekend three coming up, and it's a big one. And a uh, little unexpected uh, turbulence. Last weekend in Columbia, and I know we'll get into that. And uh, good win last night, uh, as, as we record this um, against Lipscomb. So that was good to see. But still, some some uh, speed bumps along the way, and some obstacles, and um, big big series this weekend for a lot of reasons. And uh, we can get into all that, uh, I'm sure. But uh, uh, big test this weekend with the Vols coming in. Well, I seem to be the only one who wasn't worried by what happened last week, but maybe I'm in the minority. You tell, tell me, am I wrong here? No, I, I just think um, we've talked about how Holton has just been, it, it's almost been freakish as far as his advancement. Um, and you almost knew that there was going to be something happen uh, to him. Um, not saying it was the big stage that happened that, that caused it to occur, but it was just too good too soon. I mean, we've seen that with a lot of Vanderbilt pitchers. Uh, even David Price, though, had some bumps. And um, that was a little concerning, the fact that they were just squaring up on him so early in that contest um, the way they did. And, you know, you get three runs in the first, four in the second, and uh, all of a sudden you're almost out of the ball game in the SEC when that happens. Um yeah, I, I, could, I could teeter towards your side a little bit as far as not. There were some balls that were well hit by the Commodores yeah. on uh, games two and three that if they find a gap or they're, you know, if, if some great plays were not made, it's a totally different situation. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was a tough weekend in this league. Nothing's easy. That team beat Tex, Texas two out of three. They lost last night to Presbyterian, which is crazy. Uh, and some of the losses in this league and non-conference have, have been unexplicable, but uh, they lost to Presbyterian, a Presbyterian team that had 34 runs scored against them the previous game uh, over the weekend by Campbell. Um, so that's going to happen. It happened, uh, I think, Auburn lost last night. I think Kentucky was defeated in non-league play. So it just goes to show you, um, you know, the balance in college baseball that's that's occurring, not you know, just at the SEC, but across the board. But you know, it, it was a tough weekend. It started off so well. It was eerily similar to me from the Florida LSU series when you had Florida really dominate that one in Gainesville. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, LSU's up against the wall. And then games two and three, LSU threw the hammer and wins the series two out of three on the road. And that's what it sort of felt like to me. Those those games are pivotal. Those Friday night or the game one, sometimes they're Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The game one games usually uh, have a path towards momentum for the entire weekend. And the opposite happened for Vanderbilt and for Florida. They get the big win on the game one and then 
the bottom falls out in, in games two and three. So we'll see how this team rebounds with the significant challenge they got with the Vols. As an aside, offense is way ahead of the pitching in this league. Um, Tennessee's got the number one staff statistically. Vanderbilt, a clear number two, uh, and a pretty good drop-off to what I think is the third-best staff in in Arkansas. Um, I mean, it, it's – and I think that's the thing that people forget a little bit. Like, And we start reassembling the parts, too, because sometimes team ERA is not – the best reflection of things because you're you're having guys who are never going to pitch in a regional that are taking beatings that drive those up sometimes a few of them I mean I think if you want to really reassemble it you look at maybe the top eight or nine arms on each team and see what those guys are and it's clear to me this team and Tennessee are, are in tremendous positions compared to the rest of the league again I would say Arkansas is probably that third team but I think when people start to to worry a lot and, I mean, you can do the exercise for yourself. It, it takes a long time, and I have spent a lot of time into looking at it. But uh, And I know that the pitching wasn't great this weekend, but I, I think if push comes to shove, your life is on the line in postseason, you're going to see some decisions and some guys used who weren't used over the weekend because sometimes March and April are figuring out what you have and what you don't have and what you can use later. And you've seen Tim Corbin. I'm, I'm not saying he was – not playing to win, but but I do think that the circumstances are different. Maybe you see some decisions done differently than they were done over the weekend, if that's fair. Yeah, and and you look at uh, you know basically, Chris, you've got between Cassis, Hewitt, Vaz, Nolan, uh, in 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 you know those they're trying to find out which of those guys they can plug in and play every day, and it is. It's obvious that you know he's giving them opportunities to get at bats, and soon that will decisions will have to be made, and they'll have to be you know roll with it. it it's very unlike Tim Corbin. You know, you, the 2019 always harkened back to that. That didn't really happen then. The positions were one through nine, pretty much what they were going to be. But they're still finding their way. You know, they're they're going a lot more matchups than I think they have in the past. Lefty. Lefty on righty, righty on lefty, those type of scenarios, um, playing situations more than they have in the past. But between those guys I mentioned, um, to an extent, Laniv was in the mix, but he hadn't played. He's only played in 12 games, uh, 12 of the 23. So he, you would have thought he would have been one of those that they were thinking about, not sure what's going on there. So they're still trying to find their way. I agree with you. He's, he's, he's trying. Uh, different Teams are different each and every year. They're not robots. This team is different than last year's team. They're definitely different from the 2019 team. You can remember that I remember Tim Corbin said, if he said it once, he said it a dozen times, how he didn't have to worry about the 2019 team at all. Didn't have to worry about them going to class. Didn't have them worry about behaving right or wrong. It was just an easy thing for him. When he and Maggie put their heads on the pillow at night, uh, it was something they didn't have to worry about. I'm not saying they have trouble on this team. But it's just unusual that you have uh, – it's just a new group. You have guys not making road trips. You have guys not pitching on weekends for non-baseball reasons. I'm, I'm sure there's been some of that in the last couple of years that we maybe don't know about because we're not privileged. But you, you, would, you would rarely hear Tim Corbin talk about it either way. But it's just kids are different. And, you know, you get, get in the minds of some of these kids who – 
who hear from their friends or from Twitter or those they played summer ball with, you know, why aren't you getting the innings that you used to get or what's going on? Why aren't you getting the at-bats? And when you recruit at the high level that these, these teams do like Vanderbilt does, you're going to get some unhappy people who are, who are not maybe getting the playing time. I'm not saying that's a blanket statement that there's trouble on this team. I'm not, but it's just unusual to hear on the TV broadcast when Kyle Peterson mentioned, I don't know if you caught that, if you caught what he said about the video that Tim Corbin made. Did you hear, no, hear that I did part? Not. I did not. Yeah, well, there was, there, was a, there was a moment during some, a lull in the broadcast where he said that they spoke with Corbin uh, before the game, and then he made a video, a 10- to 15-minute video cut up of it wasn't anything about what they were doing as far as fielding or – um, or hitting or pitching in pitching forms. It was more of reactions after a player got out reactions after a player got a big hit. And what did the dugout do? And I don't know if you, Gino Armiema from Connecticut has also talked about that, how he, and he and Corbin, I know are friends and they talk about how he sometimes will have an assistant coach film the, the Connecticut bench and see if someone's sulking or see if someone's uh, perhaps uh, has a bad attitude or when they come out of the game, if they're shaking their teammates' hands. And that's what Peterson said was that Tim did a cut-up video and showed it to the team before the South Carolina series of things that are outside of baseball that he observed in the film cut-up. I mean, and, and I, so I found that kind of interesting. Um, this team has some young kids. They're still developing. Um, and again, I'm not laying the seeds that there's discontent, but uh, – I'm confirming your statement that I think Tim Corbin is finding his way with this team, the rotations, the the right chemistry and the right mix to put on the field to be the most successful team they can be in June. It's funny you said that. Um, I went to the Vanderbilt Lipscomb game on Tuesday night, and from the press box, I have a phenomenal view of their dugout, uh, which front to back is probably twice as big. Everybody's leaning on the railing. You can see almost everything in that dugout. Um, and I also happened to forget my laptop, so I'm not writing and doing stuff between innings, and that left me time to notice some things that I don't usually notice. But that dugout was very engaged on Tuesday night. Yeah, and it's just those are those lessons that Tim does uh, and teaches and preaches. And if you're going to be a part of this program, uh, there's going to be no you know sulking. You're going to go to class. You're going to be on time. And you're going to do the things that he and his staff want you to do. And, and there's really no budging on that. Uh, there are other programs in this country you've seen where, uh, and it's just not for everybody. This, this program's not for everybody, just like other programs. You know, it's just a little a little tighter ship. And, and sometimes people, it takes a while for them to figure it out. And if they don't, then they usually go elsewhere. And um, you're seeing a lot more... I've noticed a lot more gamesmanship uh, this year and and, uh, with teams when they hit home runs. I mean, if you've seen one celebration, Florida did one where they sprayed uh, whipped cream in the guy's mouth after he had a home run. He had to take a bite of a hot dog. And UT has a fur coat that they put on the guy's back when he hits a home run. And they give him a hat and it's just, it seems like, and I'm not saying it's, that's just ridiculous. I'm not saying that at all. It's just more and more of these teams are getting into that kind of like the football where football, where you get an interception, they give you a belt, you know, you wear around your, your waist. And, and I'm, and if I've seen two, I've seen 20 of these, um, 
of different things. So, and speaking of which, you're going to see a lot of that this weekend. Hope you don't uh, with the Tennessee Vols coming in town, but they are a a baseball team, Chris, that I feel like right now undoubtedly is the best team in the country. Yes, I agree. I, I think uh, there's bar none that Tennessee. And matter of fact, if you if you uh, were going to make me um, bet a significant amount of anybody else's money, I would say UT would be the odds-on favorite to win the national championship uh, right now. Uh, that's right. Now they could get some guys hurt, and they've already got a significant injury with Dickey. Uh, Jared Dickey, their outfielder, I think, has a hamstring issue in the Ole Miss series. But when you lead in as many categories as Tennessee leads in in hitting and your pitching is as strong as it is, there's it's an easy call. And they have the intangibles, I think. They've gotten a taste of Omaha. They know what it's like. It's not going to freak them out. They've got a brash coach who's very confident, who that filters down to them. They have they have like a party atmosphere at their stadium. They got a short porch. They hit a lot of home runs in that short porch. Uh, their fans are into it. They're bloodthirsty, and and they've got all the intangibles right now to be. It, it is not beyond the shadow of a doubt to say that they wouldn't be the the favorite to be in Omaha and, and perhaps win it. So a lot can happen between now and then. But they are playing really good baseball right now, and a confident group. And um, it's they're steamrolling in here in Nashville, I think, with something to prove. And and um, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, I agree. Right now, they are the best team in the country, uh, which puts things in an interesting light because, or an interesting position, because Vanderbilt's been hunted for a long time. Tennessee's kind of been the underdog, uh, you know, that is recently risen to prominence. And between the College World Series appearance last year and the number one ranking, this is going to be the first time Tennessee has been that team with the bullet on its back. I'm not saying Tennessee can't handle it. Given the swagger that program has, I imagine it can. But that part will be interesting. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Yeah, and you, and you look at the comparative of, of how these teams are playing. Now, look, they're 23-1. and one, We're 19-4. and four. Um, I would say they have not played the, be- the, the most favorable schedule in the world, but when they, they had, they'd go to Oxford and they swept them, and they, they not only, uh, except for the last few innings of the Ole Miss series, but and, and talking to some friends of mine, they went down to Oxford and and stuck their nose into it. I mean, it, it, it was that it looked like a a marked difference between those programs, and usually don't do that to Ole Miss and Oxford. And that I mean, the the fans were quiet. 
sure, you know, they hit some home runs, a home run on Sunday, did the, the, the beer toss up in the air. But you, when you're getting, when you're down by five or six runs, what, what significance is that? You know, early on, they did not play a very good schedule. And since then, they had South Carolina at home, swept them. They go to Oxford, sweep them, put all this stuff on their Twitter page about how they're the broom crew and the cleaning crew and sweep. And there's just there's no limit to their confidence right now. And when you look at the stats, the stats show they are, as far as offensive categories, better numbers than Vanderbilt in every category except one. They've, strike, they've struck out more than Vanderbilt, 185 to 176. Other it's it's that, 185 each after last night, by the way. Okay, look at these stats not updated. Okay, but yeah, you're right. They didn't update them yet. Uh, so 185 each. Okay, we're, we're equal there. But, I mean, home runs, 71. Uh, let's see. That's double, 64. Runs. But they're hitting they're – hitting, yeah. Somewhere between two and a half and three home runs a game, which is just crazy. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. It is absurd. And and, and it's mean, not RBI. just that they're they're leading the league in doubles. They're leading the league in triples. Obviously, they're leading the league in total bases. They're leading the league in on base percentage. Now, look, I get that they racked up a lot of numbers against Iona, which is a team that I think didn't give out scholarships last year or something like that to the incoming class. Like they've got they've got all kinds of issues. That's one of the worst few programs in the country, but. Everybody in this league played a few patsies. You know, there might have been a little bit more, but but at that point, we're picking nits. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it's the it's the best team in the country, and they've been dominant on both sides, regardless of who they played. Yeah, and what surprised me a little bit too, the known numbers that that they they've run a lot better than uh, 41 out of 51 on the stolen bases compared to 33 out of 36 by the Commodores. Even, uh, you know, that, that's, that got updated. That's 38 out of Yeah, that got updated. Five, so six, Vandy's, okay. Vandy's more efficient. But you know what Tennessee's going to do, Chip? They're going to come in. If they get a guy on first, they're going to push the gas pedal and go, go, go. And you and I have both talked about we're not sure how they're going to handle a running game against a team that's going to get guys on and be uber aggressive, which they will be. Yeah, and it's just going to feed on uh, – you know, there it's it's they know uh, nothing but fifth gear here as far as the way they're playing baseball. Now, teams, even I was listening to Bob Kessling. I was driving around doing my soccer dad duty and picking up Carpool, and I heard them interview some players last night. And even he said, you know, that this can't go on forever. I mean, even the better teams that Vanderbilt's ever had, with the exception almost of that team that went went 27 wins in the conference and didn't get to Omaha that time uh, that had such a prolific run there. Uh, you, it's hard to go unblemished in this league uh, for very long. And uh, we'll just, and hopefully that'll run into a bus all this weekend. But we, we cannot expect to get three and four runs and win games this weekend. It's going to have to be offensive output and the guys are going to have to pitch, pitch lights out and, um, and, get, and get into a rhythm and get the crowd behind them. Because you know that there's going to be some orange in the stands if they can help it um because ut's fan base has been for this they've they kind of got the taste of it and they traveled well to omaha and this is all sort of new to some of these people and whenever there's a game in the mid-state they're going to try to pack it in and and get into the Hawks. so uh, you know this is a test I, i i look at it as a test for the commodores that not if they can take a punch because you know you take a punch and and how you react to it but in a sense, it's it's in foreshadowing. They know the punch is coming. Can they take it? Can they absorb 
what the uh, enthusiasm and kind of the showmanship that UT is going to offer and the gamesmanship and, and handle that in their own way and be mature enough to play their own game and not get caught up in all that. Because I think that's what UT really wants people to do. They really don't care if you just watch. They don't care what others think. They they feel like that their brand of baseball is superior. It's more fun. It's not militaristic. Um it's the new brand of college ball, bat flips, what have you. And and Vanderbilt's just going to have to be very, very patient in their approach this weekend and not get rattled because they're going to do. They're going to have some guys who are going to get on base and perhaps hit some bombs. It's just how they can react to it. Okay, before we get into the mailbag, I, I want to tell you my lone concern probably coming out of the weekend. Um, I'm not concerned they lost the series in a way. I chalked that up as a that's baseball. They actually outscored South Carolina for the series, even with all the missed opportunities. Again, I think if you play that series over, um, it, it probably goes a little differently, but that's that's that. They, they lost. Um, I look at more how things happen, and again, I, I think they left some opportunities on the table. Now, I'll tell you what does concern me a little bit. You've got Nick Maldonado out. I would presume out for a little bit longer. You've got Christian Little, who, for whatever reason, um, did not take care of whatever business there was to take care of. So he was evidently suspended. They didn't call it a suspension, but he was not available last weekend. So I don't know what else you call that. And then Hunter Owen, I thought the start two starts ago was a little bit flukish. I thought he pitched better than the numbers. Uh, Now, I didn't think he pitched well against South Carolina. Couldn't find the strike zone, which was an issue last year. So now you're going, okay, um, there's questions about whether Hunter Owen has turned a corner or not. You don't have Maldonado. And then, for whatever reason, you don't have Little. Uh, Now, again, I think they're plenty deep. But those are are three pretty significant arms that they were counting on that you got questions about. Holton, I think, will rebound. Uh, just because I suspect after listening to Tim Corbin, there was pitch tipping. And um, other than two strings where he gave up a lot of base runners in a row, which has basically doubled his ERA over about what it should be. So I can kind of write that one off. But um, are, are we seeing some mounting pitching, pitching issues here? That might be a pessimistic way to look at it, but I've got to ask. Well, the Sunday the Sunday starter situation two weeks ago. That was also weird. with yeah. Owen. He goes with Cunningham this past week. And you just wonder, you just wonder aloud if this is the time this weekend that Patrick Riley gets his shot on Sunday and sticks with it. I mean, the yeah. kid, I mean, he struck out 14 and five and two thirds. That, that's absurd. Uh, I mean, against South Carolina, uh, it gave up four hits and, um, you know, he walked two, but that that's an unbelievable line that he had that really kept South Carolina at bay in that game too. So you just wonder if that they're going to slide Riley over, if he doesn't deserve that opportunity to be the starter and you would like for him to take it and, and, you know, take it and hold it and, and run with it. What clouds the picture, as you said, is the fact that Maldonado is still out. And then the looming issues with little, did little make the trip, Chris, was he on little was in the dugout for the Belmont game yesterday. He certainly was. Did he make the trip to South Carolina, though? Um, no, I don't know if he made the trip or not, but I know that Tim okay. said he was not eligible to pitch. I mean, that, those weren't the words he used. I, I think right. eligibility wasn't the issue. They were not going to pitch him in that series, so I don't okay. know if they left him at home 
or or they took him and he just wasn't going to throw. But either way, he wasn't going to throw. Yeah, it, it's a lot of coaches have different philosophies. Getting back to Riley, I mean, sometimes when the game's seven to nothing in the second inning, some people question maybe why did you pitch Riley there when you could have used him Sunday in a, in, a, in a game that was tighter. You know that that's 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 kind of up in the air as far as how coaches. You still want to think you're in the ball game, but seven runs is is pretty hard in this league to come back from. Uh, but I, I would like to see Riley move over to that slot on Sunday and give him a chance. It just makes it. You're going to have to stretch some other guys out a little bit further than you have been other than just giving an inning here and an inning there. Um, you know, guys like Berkwich and, and perhaps, you know, and Schultz and, 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 and give those guys a little more leash than they have been getting rather than just one, one inning or two batters or two innings tops. Um, the numbers are there, but it really does, as you mentioned, it hurts that Maldonado's got the oblique injury and you just hope that he can rebound because they really need him he's a guy that if he goes back to the pen and he's strong as he was as i've mentioned before he's a guy can go two times a weekend and give you two innings one inning here and there and close it out i I predict i don't know about you but i would think when maldonado comes back i don't think he's gonna be the starting role coming off an injury i think the best he could do is slide back into a, a spot role or or to close yeah, I mean that that would that would make sense if you were coming back from an injury. I would think you'd want to pitch in short doses, which is more suited to the pin. But that's complete speculation. I don't think either of us know anything there. No, and 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 I think we'll just have to hope that those uh, you know results. If he's, I know Corbin said he was going to get some tests done and have some other opinions of it, and we just hope that is positive uh, as far as what he hears from that. Well, uh, obliques are really tricky. The average one for a pitcher keeps you out about a month. Uh, So we're probably at this point still a week out from him pitching if it's average. And worst case scenario, those things can keep you out three to four months. So, I mean, it's it's possible he misses a season. I, I, I would very much doubt that. But, I mean, it could also be a situation where we don't we don't see him till May. Again, I doubt it too, but those are really tricky. You don't want to rush back from those, and generally they they keep you sidelined for a good while. Yeah, it's a unique injury, and at least it's not a tear or something with his elbow, and you just have to see how he rebounds from that. All right, we got about a dozen minutes to tear through about a half dozen questions in the mailbag. That is sponsored. How about it? Yeah, it's sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Ann Arbor says, is Tennessee's domination sustainable through the season or have their weaknesses not been exploited yet? Now, let me give you um, a technical answer to that, and then I'll let you hit it. I mean, look. This team is 23 and 1. You run the numbers, runs scored, runs given up. That's 266 to 56. Expected record in that case is is actually less than one full loss. So there's nothing, nothing flukish about the win loss record. Um, is the schedule going to get tougher? Yes. Is Tennessee going to be more the hunted than the hunter? Yes. Are, are the numbers going to fall? Yes. Um, is Tennessee still not going to be the best team in the league? Um, we, we got a little way to go before you can say someone's better at this point. Well, if if they come into Nashville this weekend and are successful, win the series or what have you, 
you look at what they have behind them. I mean, next, they got Missouri at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and they have Alabama at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Six of the next six conference games, they'll be prohibited favorites uh, in those six games. So the numbers don't lie. They're playing great. As as we mentioned, we don't have to heap any more praise on them than they have been given by us. Uh, But, you know, is it sustainable? Well, if they have a successful weekend this weekend, I could see them – winning definitely the next two series and maybe sweeping those if they continue on their tear. So that confidence machine, the steamroller effect will be going. It's not like they're going to Gainesville or they're going to Baton Rouge. The schedule lines up for them. So when teams like this um, are on a roll with their only loss being to Texas, the ball looks like a beach ball uh, when it comes up there. Uh, the pitchers feel like that they're pitching from 46 feet little league instead of 60 feet six inches. Everything just the food tastes better, the girlfriend's nicer to her to them. I mean, just everything. Life is good. I mean, you've only lost one game, and I think it's sustainable. I think possibly the slip could be in a couple weeks. Heck, I hope it happens this weekend. But in a couple weeks, when they have to dig down to the schedule and go on the road. I mean, this is the back end of a back-to-back weekend on the road in the SEC, and those are always tough. But the schedule, you know, tightens up a little bit as they go on further down the road. they got to go to Gainesville. Uh, but, um, you know, yes, I think it's sustainable by this group. I think there will be a blip, and, and um, but it just – as you know, they got to deal with an injury. Dickey, one of their best players, he's batting 403. Don't know if he's going to be available this weekend. When injuries start mounting like they have for other teams, that can also have a lot to do with it. Well, and they've had injuries to their their allegedly their their top two starter. I mean, I say allegedly. Blake Tidwell was absolutely their top starter. Self help. Seth Halverson was supposed to be there too. He hasn't pitched yet. So even then, they've got some reserve there on that side. But here's your reality check: if you're Vanderbilt. Um, the, the only way Vanderbilt winds up ahead of Tennessee in the standings at the end of this weekend is if they sweep. Um, if they lose the series, they're four behind. If they're swept, they're five behind. So um, if you're Vanderbilt, you've got to do some damage control in a hurry if you want to have a shot at, at winning the East in the league. Yeah, and, and there's, uh, you know, every game in college baseball compared to pro baseball when you got 160-plus games – you know, even your world champion has 30, 40, 50 losses sometimes. Well, in college baseball, every game is paramount. It matters. It matters towards seeding. And if you're going to be a host and if you're going to be the chance to be a, a top seed, to be a potential super regional host, all those things are amplified. And when you do what you did when you were Vanderbilt last weekend and you lose two out of three, the panic kind of starts in from a lot of people. What's wrong? What are we doing? Uh, and, and, the likewise on UT, every time you – and they've won now five in a row, six in a row games in the SEC, and life is good and everything's fine. So things can change quickly in this conference, and and um, I think I think without a doubt, there's not going to be any fear for this Vanderbilt team coming in this weekend. They know what they're up against, and I'm, th- I'm sure – uh, the coaching staff will have them prepared. It's just like I talked about, you got to be ready to get punched in the nose and, and, and be able to take it and fight back. Ann Arbor wants to know, is South Carolina maybe better than its record would indicate given it beat Texas? Um, look, matchups, it, it depends on when you play a team, right? Carolina's a team with Will Sanders, who's a potential first-rounder. That helps give you a win there. No, Carolina did win 
two of the wins against Texas were in seven inning games. So there was a little bit of flukishness there. We've covered this series. I'm looking at the computers, the predictive ones, not the RPI ones. Before yesterday, they they had Carolina around 60 in the country. Uh, that, that's like the NIT if we're if we're doing baseball. So uh, I'm sure those numbers took a hit after losing to Presbyterian. Uh, but but that's the. That's the unbiased what the computers say answer, uh, and I'll let you give your own here. Well, I think South Carolina this weekend was their backs were against the wall. They got swept by UT. Uh, they were hungry, and then uh, that's number one. I thought they had a lot of fight in them. Number two, I'm not sure about their midweek depth compared to other teams, and um, they, you know, losing to Presbyterian like they did could have been, you know, coming off a high of winning the series against Vanderbilt, but. I don't think they're pitching depth overall to handle the number of arms that they threw out against Vanderbilt that they did and that they had to come back with their seven, eight, nine guys in the, in the pecking order, I think, caught up with them. So I do think South Carolina is talented. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about their depth long term if they had to get into a regional or, or a situation like that, if they could handle it. But uh, their top line guys battled and fought and and um and, and did really well it is kind of weird thinking they took two out of three from us and then they took two out of three from texas uh and and try to balance that out but when you get to the midweek and, and see that the depth might not be there but i still think they're pretty talented team door fan wants to know is it time to make devin futrell available on weekends uh, for context we're doing this the day after futrell threw a complete game shutout um at First Horizon Park under conditions that are very favorable to pitchers, not to detract from what he did, but just going to throw that out there for context. You know, that kid, he's super talented. He's got a lot of poise. I saw you you interview him after the game, and I watched that, and uh, he's just he's got a lot of youth about him, too. I mean, you know, it's funny to watch these guys grow up, Chris, when they if you could take them interview him when you're a freshman and then when they're a junior. Uh, he's just still got, you know, he's He's very young kid, but he's very poised. Um, I like the way he throws. His changeup is is really is is great pitch. I know you texted me in the first inning and said, "Well, he's not fooling anybody with those with those hard hit balls." That changed in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the second inning he comes out. Yeah, that could be a move. Also, um, if they don't slide over. Riley to that Sunday spot. It's not going to be this weekend. He threw 106 pitches. He's not going to pitch this weekend at all. Uh, if they're going to make that move, they're going to have to do it either the, the following weekend on the road uh, when they go to Auburn, um, or they're going to have to, you know, or, or later, but it won't be this weekend. But he definitely has shown, and as a, he's 5-0, and oh, he's one of those midweek guys that stacks up wins, which is great, um, great for his confidence, but it, it won't be this weekend, and they'll just have to see how this situation goes this Sunday, who they throw out there, and and um, they might have to make that move going down. That'd give us two freshmen in those roles, which, but hey, if they if they pitch well and they deserve it, then, then you got to throw them out there eventually if, if he's the one. Uh, I love Devin Futrell's game. Uh, I think it's really cool to see a kid as a freshman who's a kind of a complete pitcher in the sense that he's got four pitches. He's got really good command and control. My concern would be, and I'm not saying he couldn't do it, and I'm not even saying maybe it's not the right move, that fastball sits probably 88 to 92 on the fringes of each. And I wonder if – the lack of an overpowering pitch there in terms of velocity sense, how that plays against 
uh, a league where the hitters are as good as they've ever been. Well, when you when you it just goes to show you, you don't have to throw 95, 96 in this league and in, in college baseball to be successful. Uh, when you have an out pitch like his and the command that he has on the changeup, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, some guys could get up and, and ahead in the count and, and try to get up on him early and on his fastball and sit fastball if he's not locating his change. But, you know, that just goes to show you the difference between those two pitches. He can he can fool anybody. And, and um, if he continues to do that, he's, he's going to be really, really successful in his career at Vanderbilt. Um, two more questions and I've got to go. We have an early school out day because of weather and I've got to pick up my daughter. Uh, quickly, Dorfan wants to know any inside information we have about Christian Little and the odd Sam Laboki pitches this year. I have no inside info on either of those. What have you got? I'll pass that on to you. I don't, I, we've already talked about Christian Little, so we're not privy to that i just you know he's he's a young guy he's still the youngest player on the team as a, as a sophomore so whatever things he needs to take care of and hopefully they'll get past him and and um that uh Laboki, I, I just think they're going to continue to be cautious i'm glad that he made the triples and for his you know just for his personal morale and being around the guys on the road um, and and that'll be maybe something that um, we'll have to watch as we go and see if he starts throwing in the pin some during games. But I think he's probably still a ways off um, uh, before he gets back out there. All right, quickly, and again, I'm, I'm sorry we had to cut this uh, yeah, short. That's fine. you got to get up there in that pollen. Get out there in that nice oh, pollen man. that's affecting my voice. I was, I was at spring practice this morning. It was literally the rail that I was leaning on at Vanderbilt. There was this nice coat of yellow dust all along that yeah, line. I've been, I've been pounding the airborne tablets to try to head <laughs> off any, any cold or, or whatever. In fact, I've run out. I need to get more. But quickly, give us maybe 20, 30 seconds about Frederick and Clark. Sure, uh, Chris, just the, the market uh, and the real estate market here in Nashville remains strong. You need buyer representation. You need seller representation in this market. You can look us up on the web at frederickandclark.com. See all the listings. See listings in your area. You can narrow your search and, and give me a call anytime at my office, 615-327-4800. We can pair you with an agent who can help you through this tricky, slippery slope that buyers and sellers have to go through with a lack of inventory that's available on the market in Middle Tennessee. So just give us a call, and we'll be able to help you out in your house search or in your selling process for your home. Hey, thanks, Chip. We'll see you next week. All right, Chris. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.